0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And we're back with another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. So, so excited to be back after an international break. But then the match was played, really. So then my excitement Nick, kind of waned a little bit. It's just been a roller coaster of emotion all weekend for us as Chelsea fans. Football's back, and then it was shit. But <laughs> pretty much, I mean, uh, in summation, I think we can end the show. Football's back, and it was shit. Nice. Shortest episode ever. I mean, Dan, that would be a little brutal for you as you had to make a a bit of a drive this morning just to record.
1: Well, you know, it's when you're visiting family for the holidays, like Thanksgiving, you know, you have to put in some extra miles. Uh, Not as bad as some of those, uh, you know, Europa League night away trips that some of our supporters have gone through. So, you know what? Uh, I could show up. I could show up, Brandon. Not a problem.
2: I believe we're all renaming it Fansgiving now, right? (laughs) That's what we're all doing. That yeah,
1: dude there were so many cool stories that came out of it though and I know it was, it was great to see Brandon in one of the videos there helping out in Minneapolis with Laura and the supporters there uh, to don't you, blink the, you'll miss the, me the father son combo that got to go to Stanford Bridge for the first time yeah just a you know, really awesome work that the club did or at least the, the North American marketing arm of Chelsea to be very specific so we don't draw ire towards the wrong individuals um, did great work yeah, and I just I moved this up in our in our script a little
2: bit here, but like overall, I just want to give props to the club on this. I think it was a a really cool initiative that they did to you know partner a uh, a giving back campaign with Thanksgiving. Obviously, kind of the festive time of year over here, kind of kickstarts our our holiday season. Uh, we understand that you know like like Dan said, the stories that came out of this were were you know. It was like there was someone chopping onions in my house all over the place. Or, you know, tear inducing stuff, especially if That wasn't
1: just someone making the stuffing, right? That was yeah, actual th- tears. Not
2: right? not just the stuffing. Uh, you know, it was pretty incredible to see fans get surprised all over the country. It was great. Um, we also understand and you know, we listened to the Chelsea fancast last week that there are you know, supporters who have been uh, around the club for a really long time, who have never received that kind of um, thanks, praise, etc. and I can understand how that can be frustrating. Uh, we do hope, and sincerely hope, that the club, you know, kind of makes its way around the globe with some of these initiatives, um, and you know, hopefully starts right at home in the UK, and, and hopefully can can uh, do some uh, some cool campaigns there. Uh, that makes sense uh, so we, we do hope that is a thing but also you know just again i know we touched on this last week it was it was crazy to me to see twitter dan kind of rip each other apart over a, a cool thing you know and it just it really it bothered me to the point where i, I wanted to bring it up again just like can, can we just have a nice thing for a quick minute just one minute Just have a nice thing.
1: Sure, and I think there's ultimately the macro solutions for the club to solve, and you know there's a few individuals who've reached out either through us or through the fan cast on ways to try to figure out how to do nice things for their fellow Chelsea supporters, and uh, yeah, we're gonna explore those avenues and figure out how we can make the micro changes occur as a Chelsea community, both uh, home and abroad. So uh, stay tuned for some of that stuff as well.
0: What a Christmas miracle that would be to solve the Twitter hate, Nick. (laughs) That would be quite amazing. (laughs) Brandon, everybody's just
1: going to get coal in their stockings. That's it. Yeah,
0: Seriously. All right. Well, uh, Dan, we did have another iTunes review, albeit rather mysterious.
1: Yeah, the unknown soldier or the unknown uh, individual who decided to go and leave a five-star review on iTunes but did not put a comment, so we can't give him a shout-out. We can't thank him by name, but we appreciate the love on iTunes. And you know what? Uh, we'd like to give thanks to everybody who's left one previously. And to those of you that are listening right now that are going into your app and leaving a five-star review, as I'm mentioning it, is, uh, is something we are very thankful for because it helps us you know, just engage with other – individuals who support Chelsea around the globe and want to get in touch with the show. There were a couple of really awesome responses to the the tweet and photos we put out just wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving and, you know, kind of saying the things that we're thankful for. Uh there's one individual indicated that they've been going to games since the sixties, but just found the podcast and appreciated what we were doing and that, you know that was really nice, Nick. It made me feel really good about the way that we can kind of connect across generations of supporters and you know a couple healthy reviews always help that out
2: it's always been incredible to us that you know our friends from the UK and Australia and Canada and every other country that's left a review find our perspective interesting Uh, you know I think that was always our goal was just to maybe provide something a little bit different um, since we we have different watching habits and we're always blown away by you know some of the support that we receive, and we go to the UK and, and go to London and watch matches, and you know certainly uh, don't take that for granted. So so thank you very much.
0: All right, um, well thank you to JK who joined the Patreon party over there. Uh, he will get uh, some nice perks and unlimited access to, answer, to ask as many questions as he would like, uh, to which he did right off the bat. Uh, anyways, uh, as we move on even closer to the beginning of this one. Nick, it was uh, a bit funny, pretty personal, as I can't relate, from at Husker Blue 1 saying, is this the worst Thanksgiving from a sporting <laughs> perspective for Nick Verlaney?
2: Oh, man. Go it be was, red, huh? It was dark, bro. I, Isn't that what is, they say? Yes, that's what they say. <laughs> Brandon, thank you. Um, uh, here's what I'll say about the weekend, Husker Blue. At least our Cornhuskers put up a fight, you know? At least they put up a fight. Young team, could you know could have rolled over you know to lose on a last second field goal you know hurts but at least they fought and uh i can't say the same
0: as much about uh, our team in blue uh, right. well let's go ahead and move on in to the match preview um actually you know as as we have as we're growing nick as we're making big changes and strides as a pod uh kind of our new match review ish Sponsor partner in crime, who is it? Classic football shirts.
2: That's right. Nice. That was my that was my announcer voice. Um, so we uh, we've officially partnered up with Classic Football Shirts for a um, a limited campaign. We're, we're excited to work with them um, and just wanted to give our our friends and family the uh, the heads up that if you go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Use the uh, code LONDONPOD like you would for World Soccer Shop or any of our our other endeavors. That will bring you 10% off of your order. Now, if you've never been to Classic Football Shirts, prepare to nerd out. There is some really um, really great Chelsea gear on the site, including signed shirts, limited edition shirts, Shirts from the 90s, if you're one of those kind of 90s in vogue people, Dan, like this is, it's the real deal.
1: Yeah, they've got an excellent selection, everything from the wonderful cores type of Chelsea kits, auto glass, <laughs> all the different sponsors that you've seen across time. And yeah, it's a great selection, and we're excited to be working with them. And most likely, our live podcast in London will take place in their shop in uh, what would it say old brewery as you continue to mention nicholas correct
2: Uh, so we're really excited to do that we'll also have a couple of um just a a sneaky hint for you guys uh a couple of shirt giveaways i have seen the shirts that we have selected they are badass so uh not to wax on too much about this but they are uh they're great london pod 10 percent off at classic football shirts do it buy
0: your holiday gifts and uh and thank us later Yeah, specifically buy your holiday gifts for yourself because these are amazing. Yep. All right. Well, here we go into the match review. It was Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League at London's NFL Stadium known as Wembley. And it was this past Saturday, (laughs) November 24th. Uh, score Blues one Spurs three. Match lineups and stats, Dan. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Good luck getting through this one.
1: Well, playing quarterback in the London Stadium here was Keperisa <laughs> Balaga. You know, responsible for kickstarting all offensive action. Uh, moving forward to the the line, the O line there. You know, we had our defenders, Rudiger. We had Alonzo. We had Asplauqueta, and we had the Yeah, you need to send people uh, downfield. Uh, maybe some running back situation there. He had Jorginho. Uh, Conte and Kovacic you know kind of a three-headed demon um, and then you had some wide receivers at tight ends to go catch the ball downfield and uh, hopefully put the ball in the end zone and then you had i was Edin Hazard, William, and Alvaro Morata. He did have some people on the sidelines though as well uh, called upon in action in case if anyone had an injury. That was Willie Caballero, Zappacosta, Christensen, Fabregas and then you did see a couple of substitutions throughout the game. That was Ross Barkley, Pedro and
0: Olivier Giroud all right well from a stat standpoint this might surprise you but chelsea had 60 percent possession of the ball uh, only two shots on target out of a total of 13 shots spurs on the other hand had 18 shots nine on target uh touches 758 passes 552 a little bit low but unfortunately not really Low enough compared to what you would think. You would have thought we got a lot more out of this match based on what we have in previous matches. and the end of the day, we did have five offsides, and I'm not going to make that joke right now. But yes, they were all Alvaro Morata, <laughs> three yellow cards, which was probably a massive, massive problem for us, uh, and 12 fouls conceded. By the way, Spurs didn't have any yellow cards, so. Uh, not bitter at all. Is ball. that because they play such a clean game? Or... Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. No. Yep. Oh. So with that being said, uh, this is gonna suck. We're gonna run through the goals. Maybe we'll get a little preventing out of the way for us though. So Nick, eighth minute, uh, Deli assist Ericsson. Yep. Uh, there's not much Aretha Balaga
2: could do about this. Uh, to be completely honest with you, um, this was just. You know, Eriksson killing us yet again. Um, he put a perfect ball in. Deli Alley got a nice glancing header on it. It was a bullet. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think any amount of reaction time for me would have saved this. I know that uh, Kepa was getting a lot of grief on Twitter for this one. Uh, Brandon, I'm not sure that was warranted. Let's talk about the free kick, huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah. was it? I mean, really? Was it really a free kick? It it was not. It was a hundred percent a flop by Harry Kane. Um, now David Luiz uh, has had a uh, had a, a nightmare of a game. We all can admit that. But this was a simple trying to guard the ball out of bounds, and he made a tiny step, might have clipped the little toe of Harry Kane. He goes down like he had been shot, and was gifted a free kick there. And like, unfortunately, that just. You know, I, it, this was a bad game. Overall tone of this podcast, we were shit. Okay, can we throw that out there? We were terrible. We deserved to lose. But like that was just a tiny moment that uh, we might have felt aggrieved by Dan.
1: It was not great. Uh, uh, yeah, well, um, I think we, well said. <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, we'll, we'll go through all the the nitty gritty details, but I, I think you know ultimately it was an unfortunate result, but it's a great wake up call to what needs to happen next.
0: Yeah, I I feel bad for our uh, British fans out there. I thought Harry Kane was pathetic in the sense of not standing up to tackles, getting thrown around the pitch, throwing himself around the pitch. And it would be hard for me it, to kind of lambast one of our best players and just kind of take a dig at him after everything he's done for them. And maybe like us, you know, digging out Landon Donovan back in the day because he had a shocking game at a, at a club level and it was embarrassing. You just, you don't, that would be hard for us to do. So it, it, I'm interested to kind of read the rhetoric on social media and, and the articles in here. But um, overall was, I know, look, I know Kane had on paper a good match, but I, I, di- I didn't see it. I thought he played a very, uh, pathetic I'm the victim role all game and it was not impressive in the least. Um all right, so the next goal was Ednazard from the penalty spot. It was yep. <laughs> Oh it, it, it wasn't. Oh okay. It, so it was not. So no. so sorry was asked if the decision not toward Ednazard a penalty at one nothing had an impact on the outcome. And Maurizio says, quote, I do not think so because for ninety minutes there was a difference. I have to study the ninety minutes not only one action. I don't know if it was a penalty. I saw it from 50 or 60 meters away from the bench. In my opinion, it was a penalty, but Tottenham won very well, end quote. Like, cool. So, great. Yeah. That doesn't help me. <laughs> doesn't um, help me feel anger. Um, well,
1: so, but here, here's the thing I would say. So, N came out and was asked about it, right, and was very much saying that, he, you know, he thought it was potentially a penalty, but, you know, the, the official has to see it, and, has to word it correctly. And, you know, that, I mean, look, it, it sucks. It sucks that, you know, I, funny enough, I was visiting a friend's house and we were watching the uh, Basticas game, um, which, you know, crazy. It was, you know, BM Sports is on the rest of the day to try to kind of give me some other footballing memories from the day that might not be as terrible as these. And whatever team they were playing against, they scored a goal and then they actually pulled up the VAR to, because they had missed a foul on the player that during the buildup to the goal the opposition team had scored and actually returned it back to the spot so that they could then uh, – so they disallowed the goal. They put back onto the – where they should have given a free kick to Bastikas, And you know what? Like it was really weird and it wasn't explained well and so there's a lot that has to go into fixing VAR for it to be employed correctly. But this is one of those moments where you wish Martin Atkinson could get a little push notification on his watch, or get a little voice speaking into his ear saying, "Hey, you know what? You need to look at that real quick because you fucked that, up. That does not look right." And yep. I, but I mean, I think the thing is, like we you know, th- there are technological limitations to them getting it right all the time, and like they, they need help. Officials need help to officiate the game better.
0: Yeah. Okay. They may need help, but this was a layup. He was 15 yards from it, staring at it. He saw Foyth run into the back of Hazard. The ball didn't move. Like, I I agree. In principle, you are 100% right. You you shouldn't have needed VAR for this one is all I'm saying.
2: No, I agree. I I think Brandon's right. I mean, it was a
0: layup. at any
2: other point on the pitch, if you go through the back of someone, it's a foul. So I don't understand why it wasn't given here. I don't think it changes the outcome of the match. By the way, so I'm not saying that. I, I don't. I truly believe that Spurs were just better than we were on the day. But at one-one, it's a different scenario. Maybe momentum's not you know as you know in their favor, and maybe they don't score so quickly after. But it, it, who knows? I, I just think we can feel aggrieved because it was a clear penalty that should have been given and maybe we lose three, two instead of three, one, but you know, just unbelievably poor display from Martin Atkinson in totality. I thought he was poor for both sides, Uh, but this was probably his crowning achievement of shit on the day.
1: There was a a really good comment I saw, and I, I don't remember who put it on Twitter, but that after this, they referenced the fact and reminded us that none of the, you know, English or the FA officials are refer- uh, were called up to the World Cup. Um, uh, so it was just a good reminder that, you know, we, when we complain about officiating, it's not just a Chelsea problem. It's a English footballing problem yeah. uh, where the officials are not good enough for the game. And you know what? Like we've seen it in the NFL. Um, when the officiating has not been great, it causes additional consternation. And you know what? It definitely doesn't make you know it doesn't affect maybe the earning potential of these teams so they you know or these teams these organizations so they don't care as much but you know to fans it's probably one of those one of the most challenging things to do to watch a game and have to be frustrated by what is or isn't called and the consistency within that but i think we should talk about more goals so that we can get through the suffering and there, the cathartic moments
0: zero percent chance they don't care about poor officiating just just saying they have they have performance bonuses appearance bonuses goal bonuses like dudes want to get more money they they care anyways we'll move on 16th minute let's just rock it through these uh Kane with an absolute bullshit goal assist Erickson yada yada David Luiz turned screen Keppa. it just rolled into the front the near post uh it was soft it was it was garbage it was soft now next one 54th minute uh, son, <laughs> and if I see what are the Sonaldo bullshit that's been running on oh, social media, give no. me a break. I'm wow. not interested <laughs> on that's making unbelievable. Hune, Yeah, Meng Hune uh, <laughs> compared to Ronaldo. Anyways, assist Deli Alley, which pisses me off even more. And is it really an assist? He took 17 touches after he got the ball. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. not an assist.
2: Yeah, I actually I agree with you on that, by the way, just on the definition of an assist. like You can have a crucial pass. But like, absolutely, Sun did all the work, <laughs> like all of it. Like, you shouldn't get an assist for that. Like, you, you know, if who David Luiz work. Oh, yeah, uh, our defense yeah. and Jorginho and David Luiz specifically, because yeah. they were fucking horrible on this.
0: Yep. there's your E rating, baby. All yeah. right. And then finally, a, a bright hope, Ali Giroud, World Cup winner coming in uh, and getting on the goal sheet. 80, 85th minute. Uh, Dan, this man jumped. He rose above the clouds. Like a salmon. Floated for a bit, and then smashed it home on his compatriot, Hugo Dui Yoris. It, it was a great goal. It was a great goal. It was set up by
1: Aspilaqueta, who knows how to deliver a ball to the head of a striker. In it was a half pedals. volley.
0: That was a tough cross.
1: It was. It looked difficult, and you know what? It was. Uh, it was great effort, and credit to Giroud for coming on and making an impact. And you know, he went right into the net to grab the ball to bring it back. And you know, we t- will talk about the 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 fight and the will and the leadership on and off the pitch at or absent at Chelsea throughout this podcast. But it was great to see, even in the face of essentially the game being over, that he was ready to go and wanted to continue fighting for any type of result
2: thanks for being a professional Olivier uh as well even though you didn't have a great game those are two professionals and they showed it and I was pretty much what I was waiting for all day was who's going to step up and and take on the
0: professional responsibilities they did all right. Well, let us go into all the fun details of what actually went on in the match. Now, first one being the blame game. So, new segment on the podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Dan, are you blaming Jorginho? Maybe Conte. Maybe Kovacic? How about Luiz or Rudiger? Morata? Or maybe even Aspie, who was the captain on the pitch, you know? Not really maybe performed all the captain duties like he should? Or are you going high level? This is where you're at. You're probably going high level. And pointing the finger of judgment at Maurizio Sarri and his staff for not prepping the team, right? That's should, should we should we do like a blame game power rankings? <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five on Nick's board. <laughs> now go uh, ahead, Dan.
1: We, can, we, can, we can do weighted averages and try yeah. to figure out uh, based upon each of us where they rank. Uh, I think everyone has blame. I think no one is absolved from the the failures of this match i think if you want to start with sorry who has been you know very much a this is the formation i play these are the players i select and has talked about the mental issues uh, and hurdles that the team is facing right now you can look at the defense uh, across all aspects of it, uh, I think Luis is going to get a lot of the stick. Rudiger did not have a fantastic performance as Plaqueta struggled. Um, you know, Alonso was not always in the right position. Uh, Jorginho had a rough game. One of his roughest, I think, so far. And the Attack was pretty much non existent and Morata was offsides again. Uh, I think someone made a comment that Morata and offsides. name a better relationship or a better duo um, tweet, and that was hilarious to me in the moment. Uh, not in reality, but in the moment. <laughs> so I think, again, uh, and you also, there's credit, and I, I'm trying not to vomit in my mouth as I say it, but credit to Pachaccino for figuring out. Exactly how to play us and to put our backs against the wall and continue these, you know, crosses across the back uh, that we saw against the Arsenal game that Emery was able to exploit for you know their two goals that that was really great and worked in the space many Tottenham you know, <laughs> attackers who, or who should have had more goals. Nick,
2: yeah, I, as soon as this game started, I I tweet or I texted the group you know that we were going to lose four nil and that almost happened um, that. I blame I blame the mentality more than anything but I think if I had to ascribe a you know to go power ranking just to do a different take um, I think sorry has to be at the top of the list the team was not ready for the press and that I think was probably the key factor in the game for me they they did not deal with the press well all day they looked really sheepish on the ball there was no confidence pinging it about the field like the way to beat the press is to just have a dominant possession game where you're making them second guess if they should press or not. And they didn't do that at all yesterday and it was, it was pathetic. So he's number one on my list and uh, you know, kind of in order from there, I think Jorginho had a terrible game. Uh, he would probably be number two. Louise would be number three. I thought Aspi had a tremendously poor game for his standards. Uh, and then, you know, if we're, if we're talking about leadership guys, as piece of captain on the pitch, I didn't see a ton from him yesterday in terms of trying to get this thing turned around. Uh, everyone's pick for captain at the beginning of the year, Eden Hazard, I think tries to pick it up with his play and lead by example, but I didn't see a ton from him yesterday either. Uh, guys who have been around a while, like Willian, uh, another poor game for him. Uh, Murata isn't a leader, so he's off that list. Uh, golo Conte tries to lead by example, but you know, not really great for him either. So, like, you start to look around, and a guy like David Luiz who's been around forever and won everything, t- nothing, you know. And I think this is a this is a big problem we're going to get into. But um, you know, there there's just no turning it around. Yesterday, Brandon, there was nothing to inspire the team.
0: So based off of. Your assessment. I would say that you're putting mostly on Maurizio, the head coach, and Aspi, the essentially coach on the on the field, which I think is right. Um, and I was
2: wearing Aspi's jersey yesterday. I, f- I fucking love him, but you well, know, sure. he had a, he had a bad game, right? Well,
0: and the,
1: so to, to also to allow your narrative to take hold, Maurizio did say in the press conference after the fact that you know they were not anticipating or they were surprised with the formation that Tottenham and Pochettino came out with which is the 4-3-1-2 and you know if you're talking about the ability to pr- plan prepare and strategize that you know shows us right there that sorry was surprised by the setup which you know if you're thinking about the tactical preparation for this match if you're not planning or preparing for that eventuality then that is an indictment uh, and again we we love sorry we love what we're seeing so far i think it's a see it, it's it's you got to take it on the chin and this was not the best result uh it was not it's never great to lose to tottenham and there's going to be a lot of key learnings to take away from this and hopefully we can you know look at it very honestly in the light of day and say these were areas where we need to improve With the tactical coaching of the players, with the selection of who we put on the field, and what positions are critically in need of reinforcement in January, and then also in the summer.
0: So I'm I'm not there. I'm not telling Mauricio what he should or shouldn't be doing. I just have questions, and the two questions I had right at the beginning of the game, I was talking to Josh uh, at Brits this weekend, um, you know, from the Twin Cities Blues, and I, you know, I kind of asked him. I was like. Well, Kovacic didn't really play for Croatia because he had a muscle injury. So he didn't play. Now he's starting today. Barkley looked really good against Croatia. He's obviously fresh because he's just unbelievably fit. And then William played with Brazil and Pedro just hung out all week. Why, why would you start William over? Pedro. And again, I'm sure Maritza was trying to achieve a certain situation in the final third that William would have been better. And, you know, look, William had some good crosses to Murata early in the first half. We all know why they didn't go in or why they wouldn't have counted. But I think to me, I, I at the beginning, I could see what Chelsea were trying to do. Like, I, I really could. And it was working in the very few chances we had the end product wasn't there, so I, uh, you know, to me, I thought that, um, you know, in hindsight, Kovacic was was horrendous, which definitely did not help Eden Hazard, and it definitely did not help Jorginho or Conte. The midfield was pulled all over the field. Um, the gap between our midfield and their backline was terrible. Uh, this Spurs found so much space. Uh, I I haven't seen our backline run towards our own goal so much this season. And Rudiger's early yellow, which, again, I know he had a handful of Kane's jersey, but it's so soft that early in the match. I mean, that hamstrung him big time. He didn't put in a tackle the rest of the game, except for that one time he accidentally tripped Kane, in which, again, they were looking for a second yellow. But to me, um, Conte on a yellow and Rudiger on a yellow were huge misses for us because they couldn't play their game, really. So I think that... Um, it it, it was definitely the snowball effect a couple things went wrong at the beginning and it just kept coming and as a player trying to get out of that you you feel helpless you honestly do you're like nothing that i'm doing is working i don't know what to do to get out of it i'm just going to try to survive and we we did not survive by by any means um but we got to halftime right and it was bad it was two nothing at that point um you know, we had the penalty shot. We've had some chances with Murata. By the way, Murata looked as good as he has all season. Unfortunately, it's still not good enough, which is probably the bigger concern. Uh, but, Nick, do you have any idea why Sarri, uh, can, you know, sent out the same team? Uh, it looked like the same formation, the same personnel, and the same roles going into the second half. I don't know there's a lot of talk about it. does Morito not have a plan B? Uh, what What were you thinking when we came out for the second half? I think he did it because it worked so well in
2: the first half that he wanted to keep going.
0: Okay. Well, you know so, what? <laughs> uh,
2: no, I actually don't know. Uh, to me, uh, and we, we brought this up on the show before, uh, when you're down 2-0 and you've looked just god-awful, the, uh, the the solution that I would have put forward, and I know it's probably, you know, this, this is debatable for anyone else who has their own thoughts on tactics or whatever, but... Um, my, my thought would have been to bring Barkley on for Kovacic to move Ednan into the middle of a four, two, three, one moving Golo Conte back for protection and play that way. Um, you can still have triangles. You can still drop your, your number 10 or, you know, quote unquote, your number 10, uh, back. Uh, so it could be Barkley or it could be hazard depending on who's switching. And that, that way you at least have more of a, a cut and thrust and, and you're not leaving yourself so exposed at the back. Um, that that being said, I don't know what his plan B is. He seems so far to be tactically inflexible, Dan, and uh, that's only because we've we've only have a small sample size of matches to look at so far. But he hasn't really changed, you know, the formation per se that much this year. A couple of times, perhaps, but. It just doesn't seem like he wants to ever move out of the four three three, and if that's the case, then I don't really know what he could have done differently.
1: I think it actually came down more to the execution of of how sorry Sar- ball or Threesomeo, whatever you want to refer to it as, is effective. Is that the passing and the recycling of the ball needs to be so much quicker than what we see on the pitch presently? It's actually turgid at times to watch the possession move back and forth there was some casual moments from many players who were jogging at times or watching rather than trying to continue to push the ball forward to recycle to continue to move it rapidly part of that is down to Tottenham pressing and reducing some of those lanes for the ball to go through but the type of players that we have uh, either need to be coached into doing that more effectively or uh, we need the the appropriate style of player who can move the ball quickly and get the ball down faster than Tottenham can regroup and then put four or five people in the way of the ball at the end of the pitch so I don't know if I necessarily think it's down to tactical and flexibility I think he has a preferred style and method. And I think we just have to accept that that's going to be his mentality. I think the challenge is, does he have the right players to execute on that? And if we don't, then he's trying to help them learn it because, you know, he's, he's a chef who has the ingredients he has at least through January. And that's going to be a little bumpy. And I think it comes down to, does he select some different players who can execute on, more of that plan effectively than he does right now. Brandon
0: isn't having a preferred system the same thing as tactical inflexibility. If I, if I can nitpick you a little bit,
1: you can always nitpick, Brandon. But it, I mean, right? I mean, title th- too.
0: He's tactically inflexible because he has a successful track record of doing what he does, right?
1: Yeah, I, I just I I don't see. You know, I think we've seen so many positive results from it so far and some learnings that have come along the way that i don't think with this being the worst result so far under sorry that he goes about trying to change the philosophy like his coaching philosophy or come up with a solution. i think the solution has to be player or personnel based and not tactic um or formation based because formation changes all the time on the pitch like we can say that we line up with you know a 433 but that can change throughout the match multiple times i think it comes down to more than anything the personnel that's ending up on the pitch and are they the best ones capable of actualizing his style and his philosophy that would be my larger looming question especially as we get into again you know 3 3.2, 3.3 games a week, and this is not, or 3.3 days between games, and that's not going to leave any of the people that were currently on the pitch today in good shape if they're the only people playing
0: it. Right. And, and to clarify, I'm fine with him being tactically inflexible when, if it works, right? Like, I'm not happy with his zonal marking on set pieces. Oh, God. So, <laughs> that's a hard thing for us Chelsea fans. That's a hard pill to swallow because uh there's been many days when and Kundi uh has gone in on Arsenal fans for zonal marking and here we are. So now this is our cross to Burden and we'll have to get through, but I don't like it. Uh to be fair though what I do like is Maurizio, is, is he's an open book. It's weird. It's I I think I like it, but I'm not sure. So here's some thoughts from his head uh on why at one point Eden Hazard played up top he says quote because i had to do something different in order to change the match but it wasn't important because today they were better than us 11 players out of 11 i wanted to change the match with something different but i could have changed 11 players with the same result end quote i don't like that 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 i don't again i thank you for being transparent but to me that's a little like we had no answer and maybe that's because his next quote is uh (laughs) Uh, a little more damning on the players. Uh, So he says, this is from uh, Nisar Kinsella from Goal.com, who's at the post-match press conference. uh, Sorry, quote, We played very badly from the physical point of view, mentally, technically, especially the first 25 minutes, and tactically. We have a a lot of problems to solve. I knew it well before the match. It is clear for everybody, and I hope for the players. End quote. Look, uh, (laughs) we got beat up today. Um, physically and mentally. When you have Spurs players laughing at you as a Chelsea player, holy shit, does that get you fired up? And they had no response. They had no reaction. They had no answers. And to me, that's really where I got upset because we didn't look to really break up the play. Uh, We didn't look to assert ourselves physically. And I just, I didn't I, overall, I just didn't like the way that the team showed up today, and you know, Nick, I think it's I understand a little bit the whole idea that Sari is a very um, tactically astute manager, and I'm sure he's asking his players to learn a lot. I don't think we've seen a Chelsea team that have struggled this badly after an international break because of how specific uh this team plays versus like maybe a more basic 4231 or 451 or you know all those variations his his very very calculated 433 with Jorginho at the base uh and two box to box midfielders running off them it seems like international breaks are the worst thing ever for this team because it disrupts the flow so much
2: well right and i think to your point he said about Jorginho um Sorry says using Jorginho today was impossible because of the way Spurs targeted him. We were surprised because they played with a 4-3-1-2, which is a weird formation, but sure. Um, yeah, they were really narrow, um, and I think that's interesting. But like, also, to me, this is where he has to be. Like He recognized this straight away and didn't really do anything about it, right? If Jorginho is being taken out of the game because they're double or triple marking him, or crowding him or fouling him or whatever, and he's in charge of the tempo, he's like the metronome of the team, then you have to do something to get him free. And to me, that just, you know, I, I don't really know what he was thinking, you know, just keeping him in, at the base of the midfield. I know he wants a system to work, and I know it can be beautiful at times, but at some point, then you have to, you know, react to the changes they're putting your way and try and punch back and, they, they didn't, right? Like, that was, you know, I think kind of the the basis of why we're all frustrated. It, it's also a mentality thing to me, Dan, that, like, this is a huge rival. You know, I, you know beginning of the festive period, in, in my eyes, like, you know, end of November through January pretty much is this festive period. And we're away at Spurs, and they just beat us last year at, at the bridge. We were there for that match. The anger that I felt at that was huge. They came out and laid an egg today, and I don't get how there was, you know, not the energy or enthusiasm or or will to beat them back.
0: Let Let me jump in here and kind of position this because this is exactly what I wanted to wrap up uh, this match review with. So, Dan, coming to you on this, saying, you know, when someone punches you, you either do nothing or you hit back. And today, Chelsea did nothing while getting punched over and over. There was a lack of leadership. There was a lack of competitive edge and a lack of understanding of what losing to Spurs actually means to this team. Our buddy at Jeff Borzello, uh, he also summed this up nicely in a tweet saying he thinks today's disaster is more than just tactical tweaks. Chelsea came out with no energy, no fight. Sure, Sarri needs to figure out the Conte-Jorginho conundrum and what to do when teams man mark Jorginho maybe by in January, but today was more than that, just miserable. Hashtag CFC.
1: That is a wonderful summary. It uh, basically encapsulates everything, and uh, I think we don't have to say anything else. Uh, um, Yeah, Borzella did a a nice job with that one. It, It definitely looked like there was a lethargic start to the game, and from minute one tottenham came at chelsea and chelsea didn't know what to do in response uh you know i think this is a we'll talk about the system again and again it's tactically intricate and it is still taking time to learn and develop i think we have been spoiled by the run to the start of the season which had papered over some of the opportunities still existent in the squad today when you think about the fact that for the start of the Premier League season, uh, across all matches, the Chelsea are just behind Man City in most chances created per game. Um, City are at fourteen point eight, Chelsea are at fourteen point three. Then after that, it's Liverpool, uh, Liverpool and Wolves are like ten eight, ten six. So the the system and the production and a lot of the things are working. It's just some of the the finishing hasn't been great and you would hope that this type of game would be the game where players would step up we've seen it before you know we've seen and Hazard uh, really just destroy Tottenham on a couple of occasions you know we've seen Rudiger, Azpilqueta, Luis, Alonso step up in, in big ways in these matches before and for some reason that just wasn't the mentality coming into this game and it could be fatigue it could be a lot of other things I don't think we like to on this show kind of ascribe what the the feeling or the the narrative in the locker room kind of thing is but i think ultimately this is a great this is a great opportunity to learn and move forward and we were not going to go the season without losing a match so i would rather that be done now before we continue further into the europa league further into uh, campaigns in the FA and Carabao Cup into the Premier League season before we play Manchester City. Uh, this is terrible to lose to Spurs. It's never great, but it's good to, if we can take the right lessons away from this, Nick, this is should ultimately be a good thing for us, much like under you know, Conte, losing to Arsenal helped us transition into a really positive return there. So you know, I think that that's the way i'm trying to take this and and project some positivity into the chelsea sphere.
2: yeah, i'm i'm bummed that they didn't hit back. you know, i think a jt and an ivanovic a drogba a lampard would have hit back really hard. um but we didn't have that today and we haven't had it for a while and you know, at some point, you know, the the "quote unquote" leaders on the pitch that we have will either have to put up or shut up, right? you know, it's easy to be kind of a front runner in a game. Uh, It's easy to score three goals and have the, have the wind at your back and, and, and play really attractive football. It's really hard to come back two nil down to a a rival, you know, at half. And, you know, there was a little bit of fight there at the end. We had a couple of decent chances, but uh, to me, this, you know, this team and this mentality, they need to start faster and they need to, uh, they need to punch back. And, you know, against a rival of all the games in the world, against a rival, this, it was just brutal. And I think we're all upset. Uh, I think we all have to take this in stride, though, to be completely honest. Like, something that I struggle with, admittedly, at times. Um, but, you know, it's one game out of a season. You know, if, if you know, at City we get smacked and go 1-0 down really quick, I hope that they show up and and play better. And that, that would just be... You know, uh, a really great way to prove that you're advancing and changing as a club.
0: All right. Only positive coming out of this match is that Chelsea continue their streak of scoring in the last 10 minutes, which shows that there is a little bit of fight and resolve. Unfortunately, nowhere near enough. So before we jump to the man of the match pool and the final table, Nick, We've got more deals for our listeners. Correct. World Soccer Shop um,
2: Cyber Monday is is coming up. By the time you hear this pod, it'll be Cyber Monday. So if you use the code CW one eight two five CW one eight two five, you'll get twenty five percent off your orders. That's huge. Uh, so um, you know if you're ordering something for a hundred dollars, just take that twenty five percent off. Do that math in your head. Um, So uh, we we would encourage you guys to use that uh, that deal, which is, uh, again, the code is CW1825 to take 25% off your order. The only note we have about this is it cannot be combined with our typical London pod uh, code. So just kind of know that it won't be able to be combined. But Friends of World Soccer, I want to help you uh, hook it up for the holidays. Do that.
0: All right. Well, as we wrap this one up again, thank you all for hanging in there with us. It's not been easy. And we know that you all are not in a good mood on this most likely Monday morning, as As are we. Not Not happy about it. So anything else you want to pull out of this match we maybe have missed, Nick, Dan? I know we specifically didn't have a whole section about Atkinson. I feel like we got enough kicks and jabs in, but anything else, Nick, that maybe you want to pull out of this one? Um, I just, I don't know.
2: I, I, think, I think the midfield needs work. Uh, that, that would be my, my major takeaway. And you know, I think we're, we're probably due for some changes uh, on the Thursday Europa League game, but that will be just, again, a, a different type of game uh payock dan not our uh, biggest rival
1: not our biggest rival but you know a good opportunity to maybe restore some of the mentality where we we didn't have it this match and i think the only thing that i would add before we get to a little man in the match poll is i think there in my mind are two immediate changes that need to take place from a midfields and defensive uh positional swap but you know what? I'm uh I'm gonna tease that one
0: into the Tuesday episode because we got a lot of questions about it, so Part two. Part 2 d- No. All right. Uh all right, well Dan, Twinkle toes you way into this man of the match bowl. I have no idea how you're gonna get out of this one.
1: Well, it's very easy because the man of the match was Keppa and everyone agreed with it, or at least forty eight percent of the smartest people did uh we did have uh, a second place for martin atkinson who denied two goals you know it doesn't even need to be a keeper and he can keep two goals out of the back of the net which is pretty exciting good for him drew <laughs> at 13 percent, and then other uh was four percent specify a couple people put some shouts in there for conte obviously he was uh continued to be all over the pitch uh, even though uh it was not a great result but congratulations on new five-year contract too we didn't talk about that you know that's uh good for angolo conte and you know uh Good for, good for Chelsea.
2: Dan, you, you've ruined my surprise and tweet for part two, so I'll, I'll just say it now because you, you ruined it like you always ruin everything. Um, I said uh, on Twitter yesterday, and it got some love. Uh, one of my tweets got some love, which is nice. Uh, I said this at, at 3-0 down, so I know we won 3-1. Just throwing it out there. Do you want to know why N'Golo Kante got a huge pay raise? Because at 3-0 down, he's the only one running to try and win the ball back. Sad bar to clear, but he clears it every game. It's called professionalism. He was uh, the epitome of that yesterday, and uh, congratulations, man! Like, happy to have you at Chelsea till twenty twenty three.
0: So, not to dig you out, it's just funny that you accompanied that tweet about his defensive work rate with a GIF of him. GIF, sorry, of him scoring against United doing the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to summon goals, Brandon. That's what I was trying to do. Then. then we did not pull our weight yesterday. We could have done a lot more on the Twitter sphere. All right, uh, so there is the man of the match poll. Without a shadow of a doubt, Kepa making save after save, getting left out to dry time and time again. Uh, it was good to see him fired up and heated, uh, and and essentially telling the. The blokes in front of him that that's not good enough except he probably said it in spanish so as the table stands uh man city still in top with 35 points uh liverpool second on 33 spurs jumping chelsea into third on 30 points chelsea dropping to fourth on 28 now arsenal won this morning so they have jumped up to 27 points only one point behind thankfully disclaimer not that I wanted to come down to this, but Chelsea do have a semi-healthy plus five goal difference over both Spurs and Arsenal. Uh, Everton climbing to sixth on 22 points, and United, after that one-one draw, or I'm sorry, zero-zero draw with Palace, uh, somehow climbed up to to 21 points uh, on seven. So starting to be a bit of a break between fifth and sixth, but that also means there's only three points separating Spurs, Chelsea, and Arsenal at this point. So it's going to be a very competitive. Rush to the end of the season. Uh, this table is going to be tricky. Um, but thankfully, Chelsea play Fulham next, uh, or maybe not, thankfully. Ooh, little, little, uh, cliff hanger there. You'll have to tune into part two and see it. as we do answer your social media questions. We do look ahead to Pauk and we do look ahead to Fulham as well. So, yeah, another big week for Chelsea as well. The good news is we have many opportunities to bounce back and wash away the pain that was Spurs at the weekend. So again, listeners, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for engaging with us on social media via email via text and thank you in advance for those of you who are going to use the promo codes that we have given you it does support our show directly in a very tangible way so with that being said a thank you very much and until next time chills fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high